Welcome, everyone, to the very first podcast of the Society for Investigative Dermatology. My name is Sewon Kang from Johns Hopkins University, and currently I serve as the vice president of the SID. I'm here with two SID members whom I'm very fond of. They are Dr. Nada Elbilak of University of Southern California, the Keck School of Medicine, and Dr. Luis Garza of Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. We'll get to full introduction and conversation in a bit, but I wanted to begin by saying a few words about this new podcast program of the SID. We came up with this idea with the full support of the SID Executive Committee. Dr. Lisa Beck, the current president of SID, Drs. Nicole Ward and Paul Niem, the secretary treasurer and the assistant secretary treasurer, along with the full support of our administrative leadership, Dr. Becky Manillo, chief officer of program communication and development, and Mr. Jim Rumsey, uh, who is our chief officer of operation. I think especially without having had the in-person SID meeting last year, we felt that many members, especially the, the new and the young folks uh, haven't really experienced what the SID meeting is like and how it can really support their research careers. Uh, we thought having this conversation venue uh, that will be uh, informal but quite informative and can help as they navigate through the skin research. Today, we begin the podcast, talk about how our society the SID has helped two successful skin researchers, one more clinical, the other more basic in their research approach. Dr. Elbulak, uh, do you want to begin? Sure. Um, well, I wanted to say I'm so honored to be on this first uh, inaugural podcast um, to be interviewed by you, Dr. Kang, one of my, my main mentors and role models in dermatology, and to be speaking alongside Dr. Garza, who's also taught me so much and was one of my also residency uh, mentors. So I currently am an associate professor at the University of Southern California, and I um, have a couple hats that I wear here. Um, one is being the founder and director of our Skin of Color and Pigmentation Program, which has both a clinical and a research arm. And then I also um, oversee and, and founded our Diversity and Inclusion Program. So um, I work with residents as well, and I have a research fellowship program that I started three years ago as well. Awesome. Dr. Garza. Yeah, hello. Yeah, like uh, great, great intro comments, Nada, and I, I want to echo them where yeah, it's, it's a real pleasure to be here um, at this inaugural podcast. The SID has given me so much. I'm sure Nada will echo this also. Um, and so it's great to kind of share some of that enthusiasm. Um, and uh, I'm an associate professor at Johns Hopkins. Um, I spend most of my time running a laboratory where we do basic um, bench work and biology, looking at regenerative medicine and a lot of native immunity. Um, and I function also as the vice chair of research now in the department. So I help, um, for example, run the T32 uh, program for uh, physician scientists and postdocs, um, and also just generally try to help, um, at, you know, strengthen and um, can maximize and continue the research um, efforts in our department. Um, and so I'm so happy to be here to be interviewed by my current chairman, Dr. Kong. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Um, so since uh, SID is, of course, an investigative society, uh, and both of you are involved in research, 
and by the way, uh, bo both of, of you are uh, practicing dermatologists. But uh, I guess my uh, first question to you guys is, uh, what first drew you to skin research? Um, so, you know, maybe that's where we, we should talk about. Sure. So um, my journey began um, years ago at University of Michigan, where we all have ties to um, with you, Dr. Kang, as my mentor. And I um, into my third year, I realized I wanted to go into dermatology. I was very interested in the field, but I didn't really have um, any background in research in dermatology. I'd done research in other fields, but I wanted to learn more about clinical and translational research. And I was fortunate that at the time we had a T32 um, supported program called Multidisciplinary Clinical Researchers and Training or MCRIT. And this program funded you to get a master's of science in clinical research while also concurrently doing research in a department of choice um, with a mentor. So I was very fortunate at that time. I, I think I'd bothered Dr. Kang enough times that I got him to be my mentor for that year. And that year was a very influential year in my life um, because I think it really affected my career trajectory. Um, and it really introduced me to the world of scientific research in dermatology in a very formal way. And so I got training in everything from how to write an IRB, how to come up with study hypotheses, how to design studies, analyze results, write manuscripts, present at meetings. I mean, the, all the stages that come with research. So that's really what got me into um, dermatology research. And for me specifically, it's when my niche started, even as a med student in pigmentation and skin of color. Um, and I remember early on in one of um, our meetings, Dr. Ng, you'd asked me just, why don't you just write out things you're interested in? And so I just really wrote out a list of, you know, hyperpigmentation, stretch marks, dark spots, you know, different things like that. But that really gave birth to me being able to ask scientific questions about those topics and, and come up with studies to formally evaluate them more. Um, so that's where it started for me. And it's fortunately continued since. Great. So I, I can say why I uh, became interested in, in um, skin research. Um, and clearly, it's the best type of research anybody can do. So uh, it's obvious that we all ended up there. But um, at first, I thought I was interested more in endocrinology. And so I was doing a PhD on diabetes and like uh, glucose trafficking and glucose biochemistry. Um, and that, that was fun. Um, but there's this funny thing that was happening where um, I, our, our laboratory was on the third floor of this building. And dermatology uh, laboratories were on the second floor, and they didn't have their own autoradiography machine. Um, so there were these big machines where you used to develop your blots in. Um, so you'd put like a uh, undeveloped film in a cassette, and then you'd have to like put it in this big machine um, in a dark room so it could get developed. Um, and um, so the skin lab shared our autoradiography machine. And the things after you put your film in, it would take about like five minutes or ten minutes to, for it to kind of fully go through the machine. And so I would be waiting outside there and then the next person would put their blood in and wait outside. And then I would have my friends from med medical school that were taking a year off doing skin research would talk to me about what their projects were. And I realized at that time that it was really super fascinating. A lot of them were for Bob Lafker's lab uh, who was studying skin stem cells. Um, and um, I realized at that point that it was really, could be really fulfilling from a scientific perspective because you could see your phenotype so easily 
Um, and you could really ask almost any biological question because, because dermatology is just an organ-based specialty. So, you know, there's immunology, there's cell biology, there's genetics, there, there's developmental biology, there's really everything. It's a microcosm of all of biology. So that, that, that's what, what, what really initially pulled me in. And then I was exposed to the work that John Stanley did, uh, who was at that time the chair of dermatology at Penn. And he, to me, really epitomized like um, the ideal of a physician scientist where he had like a bunch of patients that had a blistering disease. Um, he, um, you know, along with the other people in the field, uh, found out that this was antibody mediated. He um, then went using those antibodies to find the, um, the protein that was the target uh, and uncovered basic, um, you know, adhesion biology by discovering desmoglians. So, um, and, their, and their role in the disease. So it was a beautiful kind of combination of disease pathogenesis plus basic biology um, that was also um, super intriguing to me. And that's how I realized I was really sold on it. Um, and then after I did my um, interview at Michigan, I realized that was gonna be the best place for me to do my residency. So, and then that's how uh, I first met Dr. Kong. Uh, and that's how I ended up kind of getting exposed even further to dermatology. Yeah. And one other thing, actually, if I could add to that, um, about what really drew me is as I started doing the research um, in pigmentation skin of color, I was realizing how little we knew um, and how small the body of sort of formal scientific research in those areas is. And, and that's still something I think that keeps me um, doing research in these areas is that there's just so much growth and areas for us to still learn about. Mm -hmm. yeah, and then to build on, on something you said, Nada, is that... Um, Another thing I found is that there's the, the a lot of people said, oh, you want to go into an area where if, if all the people in that field were sitting at the table, you'd want to sit at their table. Um, and some some specialties and, and areas of, of medicine and biology are, are, are kind of not are the people kind of eat their young and they're and it's just a little bit more kind of cutthroat. But I think the skin biology community from the get go, I could tell with and, and the dermatology community was a very friendly kind of, um, uh, you know, accepting um, and, and, and nurturing kind of environment. And that, that was a real uh, important point for me as well. Yeah, all, all great reasons to have uh, chosen skin research as your kind of a, a academic career. And um, uh, so glad that you guys came to that uh, uh, decision. Um, and, but after you made that decision to uh, pursue skin research, uh, may I ask how, SID uh, have played a role in your uh, career success? Uh, and, and if so, how? Yeah, so um, for me, SID played a really big role um, in my life starting in residency. And so I was really fortunate um, to have been nominated by Dr. Kang to the SID board and was selected as the resident member of the board, which I got to serve on for two years. And that was really such an honor and privilege because, you know, at that stage as a resident, I was sitting in the room with people that I still consider today to be giants in our field, um, people who are really um, premier leaders and researchers in our field. And so to have a seat at the table at that young early time in my career really opened my eyes up to the possibilities of um, research and academic careers. 
And so that was very influential for me. And I felt like actually my time on that board that my voice mattered um, and that, you know, I was able to voice sort of the opinion of maybe what um, residents and trainees might be thinking, and, and they were very receptive to it. But, you know, being amongst such role models in the scientific community, I think was very influential for me. Um, and the other thing that uh, really impacted me was the resident retreat. And so I attended that my first year as a resident. And that was a really wonderful experience because it was the first time that, you know, I was amongst other peers like myself in dermatology who were really getting a lot of formalized guidance and lectures and instruction on building an academic career and work-life balance and finding a niche and mentorship and all of the conversations and topics that I think are so important to have, um, you know, early in your career, but throughout your career. And it's actually at the SID that I ended up figuring out my next step post-residency because I was there um, my third year. And I can't remember if that was, we were at IID that year, SID, but I ran into um, Dr. Bill James at the meeting and he said, well, what are your plans next year? And I'm like, oh, I'm still figuring it out. And he then told me about his um, fellowship that he created, um, the Clinician Educator Fellowship and encouraged me to apply. So the, the networking opportunities too, um, I think are really profound. And the nice thing about SID is, you know, it's a smaller sized meeting, so it's very intimate and it's a really wonderful opportunity to be with who I consider sort of some of the greatest scientific minds in our dermatologic community. And, and you can just have these one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. Um, and I did end up doing that fellowship at Penn the following year. So um, there's multiple times along the way, I think that SID really had a very positive influence in my own career. Yeah, it's funny. I've had a very, a very similar experience to Nada where, um, yeah, I, I did, um, uh, the, I was lucky enough to be a, a representative on the board as well. Um, and that was, yeah, just really amazing to be like in this room with, yeah, all these like fantastic scientists that you really look up to um, and see that they're just human beings, you know, that are that just, and, and they're really dedicated to their, um, to their research, but especially so their community. Um, and, and they really want to, um, keep the kind of communication and the, um, you know, nurturing um, spirit of the, uh, of the field alive. Um, and so, and then also the resident fellow retreat, same thing. I, I just had a fantastic, it was a fantastic time in that where it was really clear instruction that like, you know, this is a welcoming community. There's a lot of room for everybody to participate and, and um, grow and contribute. Um, and then, and then at the meetings, yeah, I agree. Like really it's, you know, going to meetings is one of the funnest things of academics. We get to travel to different place. Um, you get to eat with your feet, with pe new people, hear about new ideas. It's, you know, it's so stimulating. I think it's, we're all going to be so excited when we can return to our in-person uh, meetings, because I think just that fluidity of kind of walking down the hall and seeing somebody uh, chatting about something or that, you know, their project or, or their work, you know, it's, it's really enlightening and fun. And, um, so, you know, for me, it was like even the name, some of the name lectureships are just, you know, really stimulating uh, where you're just kind of constantly like thinking, oh my gosh, I can't wait to like go out there and try to, uh, you know, approach some of this great work I'm, I'm hearing about. Or, um, or even in the, in the mini symposium, like seeing your friends kind of and other colleagues go up and present um, and then occasionally giving your, your chance to kind of share your work. I think it's, it's, it's just so, I think, uh, fun when um, after a while it gets to be people that you really are, are your real friends, not just your colleagues. Um, and so um, kind of gathering together and thinking about ideas, I think it's, it's a, a real positive um, 
effort that, uh, yeah, is, is, is one of the best parts of the field. So the SAD meetings, yeah, for me have been very instrumental as well. You know, uh, hearing both of you kind of uh, describes similar experience uh, being involved in SID uh, at rather uh, young stage of your uh, academic development. Uh, I think it, you were lucky in that you got to uh, know about how the SID is organized and different programs that are offered. But uh, there are people like myself, when I first got introduced to SID, uh, it's very difficult to understand uh, how, other than the meetings, right, and the lectures you attend, uh, trying to take advantage of many offerings uh, that the society provides to its membership. So uh, perhaps <laughs> for the new and young members who, who may know about the SID very little, uh, any thoughts or advice as to how they could kind of navigate and, uh, you know, try to uh, take advantage of everything that they, uh, that the SID uh, can offer? Yeah, I agree. I think when you're on the outside, it's always a little intimidating and hard to know where to start. Um, I think the resident retreat is like a wonderful place to start um, that, you know, you can go to even starting as a first year resident um, if you're accepted for it. And I think that at least gets you physically to the meeting space and, you know, you get to hear these talks and meet people and, you know, it kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of the landscape of the organization and, and lets you start that path of networking with people. Um, the website, I think, is also helpful in sort of piecing out different pieces of SID. I know when I was at the meeting, another um, thing I learned about were the patient advocacy groups, because SID has always had a really positive relationship with many of those groups. And that's the first time I learned about, you know, the psychiatrical alopecia support groups and research foundations and, and multiple of the other um, groups that are out there. So that for me was also very helpful because I'm very interested in clinical and translational work and getting to see the patients affected by the diseases, I think um, had a positive impact on me. And, you know, the journal, I think it was, I really learned about the JID through SID. Um, and at the time, uh, Dr. Bergstresser was the editor and it was the highest impact factor journal in dermatology. And so, you know, I began to, to read it and really got to read about really high level, um, high quality science um, within dermatology. And, you know, JID then started a program for, um, helping mentees who wanted to do uh, reviewing articles. Um, and so, you know, people who were sort of connected to reading JID, I think got to learn about that. So there's lots of different programming. And I think just getting connected by being a member, doing the retreat um, and coming to the meetings is, is a really good start. And as I mentioned earlier, it's a small enough meeting that it actually doesn't feel uh, as overwhelming, I think, as some of our larger meetings, because, um, you know, it's not as many people and, and you get to really have these just easy one-on-one -on -one conversations, even just in the hallway and elevators and, you know, outside of uh, lecture halls. So I, I think it's just a wonderful organization. And for anyone interested in sort of the scientific world of dermatology and academic careers um, is really a must, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Again, seconding Anata's great points, like the, also a, a great example of the inclusivity of the SID is that the resident retreat uh, 
Um, also, it's not, it's, um, it also includes a portion for PhDs. So um, like postdocs, I think, especially. Um, so, and, it, and although the, they have some combined sessions where both, you know, future academicians who are MDs and any PhDs can attend and PhDs attended both, they also have individual sessions that might be more appropriate for like a PhD member who's um, focused on skin biology than like an MD or MD PhD. So yeah, that's just a good example of like what Nana was saying is how there's many different kind of tracks and opportunities. Um, I'm pretty sure there's like a, they, every meeting they have like a special social event for first time members too, I think, um, which is, you know, really, I think important for folks to kind of feel accepted and welcomed. Um, and actually, I think I've even attended that several times, despite the fact that it's only for first-time <laughs> members, and that also shows you how inclusive and open they are. Um, and um, you know, I think, uh, like Nada was saying, there's there's so many other opportunities, like in the meeting where there's tracks. You know, like you can sign up for not only like a clinician track, but you know, different basic tracks or, or different kind of like translational, like um, kind of towards uh, product development. You know, even kind of commercial like commercialization tracks, even. That they have um, to try to really say, you know, this is a space where you know clinicians, uh, like lab-based people, uh, you know, basic scientists, but also uh, company folks, industry can all really. There's really um, a lot of uh, programming um, and, and uh, available for all of those constituencies. Um, so yeah, I think you know other ways to get involved are like going to the mini symposium, like asking questions, you know, because they're always. There's, you know, it's, people are always excited about a stimulating question, um, and then, um, and then hanging out around afterwards. Like some of the, they've even had some SIDs where after uh, the the mini symposium ends, then there's a social time, um, which is also a really great where you, you know you're with a small group of people and talking about science, and you can just stick around and informally chat about it. So, um, and yeah, like you said, the social events are always a blast, and um, you know, there's never any kind of like program seating so you can kind of get up and move around. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, I think um, there's there's a whole, whole bunch of activities that are welcoming everybody. Yeah, I, I just, and I was remembering another thing I used to always attend at SID meetings is that there's organizations like Women's Durham Society that always do a panel or session at the SID. And I always really loved those sessions because it was always a chance to get to meet with, you know, women who are having academic careers, who are also involved in SID. And it was sort of this like cross bridge of sort of multiple areas that intersected that, you know, were important in my life. And so that's another great chance that you get to go there and network and, and meet people as well. And one of you uh, already kind of mentioned this, but uh, uh, are there uh, mentors along the way that uh, you actually found through your uh, attendance at the SID or being involved with the SID and uh, how they have provided, uh, you know, valuable mentorship for your career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, for me, I, I feel like I've been very fortunate and spoiled to have uh, several amazing mentors, uh, starting with you, Dr. King, who I still consider, as I've told you, my lifelong mentor. Um, but, you know, we had met obviously before SID, but you introduced me to SID. Um, at the meeting, I got to meet um, many people, including Dr. Paul Bergstresser, who I kept in touch with um, for several years after I, you know, was a resident and so forth, who helped guide me on various career issues. And then 
I got connected to Dr. Pandya in his department at UT Southwestern, who also became a mentor of mine um, and who I overlap with in a lot of my interest in, in pigmentation and diversity. Um, and then, as I mentioned, me, you know, running into Dr. James at that um, meeting at the SID is actually what led to the, you know, knowing about the fellowship um, that I did at Penn. And I actually find my networking experiences from SID continue to pan out in my life. Um, I recently was working on another diversity initiative and then um, had to speak with Dr. Pentland, who's currently the president of the SID. Um, and I had gotten to meet her for the first time. Um, you know, I'm sorry, she's president of APD, but back then had been president of uh, SID. And so I was on the board one year with her and, you know, it was just very nice to get to reconnect with her. So I find that the, the mentorships I've had, but even some of just the networking I've had continue to, um, you know, resurface in my life um, and play a very positive role. Yeah, I've also had a lot of uh, great mentorship. Um, and what's funny, I think some of the mentorship that I remember the most are the ones that were um, a little more atypical. <laughs> like a really funny one is um, Jeff Travers uh, is, you know, this really great MD-PhD that's done a lot of cool work and has uh, worked at several places like um, in the Midwest. And, um, and a couple of years, in, and I've never really uh, trained with him or been at his institutions, but uh, like two years in a row, like I have to be talking with him when he was like getting his friend, getting his his lab together to go to lunch. And he would just say, uh, Luis, are you, are you here again? You were coming out to lunch with us again? Like, is this an accident? Uh, and Jeff was just so nice about it. So I would just go out for like two years in a row. I went out to lunch with Jeff Travers at his lab just by accident, um, which which I think stuff like that is just a, a lot of fun. Another one um, where, with like uh, John McGrath uh, from King's uh, London, uh, would um, has kind of have these collegiality kind of groups that would get together. Um, and um, so uh, like, uh, if, for example, when we were at the IED in Kyoto, uh, he kind of organized a bunch of small groups to kind of meet each other and uh, like specifically, especially like Japanese groups, but, but really kind of just trying to emphasize having international uh, collaborations kind of forged. So people he wouldn't normally even be with at the same meeting at an IED meeting, you know, it's more often that you could be together. And I think John's really great vision was trying to like catalyze that and push that. Um, and um, so that's been also very fun. Um, and, and, you know, I think some of that informal mentorship when you're just like happen to have a share a meal with somebody um, is, is really useful. So, you know, I've had a lot of real formal mentors, um, but I think some of the informal mentorship that uh, I've, I've had at the, um, at the SAD has been great. Like, you know, going out to lunch with like, um, Folks from like, for me, I like do a lot of work related to the hair follicle and hair follicle meiogenesis and for like having meals with folks from Elaine Fuchs's lab uh, and the people that have started their own labs uh, that graduated from Elaine Fuchs's lab. It's been, that's been the main time I've been able to like really get to know them um, and personally, like besides reading their fantastic work. And so I think um, it also kind of, I think it helps bridge just some of those um, some of those different kind of ga gaps that might happen between like a more clinically oriented department or more basic basic folks or basic departments. So um, I think that, that's been some of the kind of chance mentorship that I think I've really enjoyed the most. Right. I mean, it's um, very clear just listening to, to you guys how much uh, SID has meant for you, uh, especially in developing your research career and how uh, you guys uh, miss uh, not being able to uh, meet together, but ho hopefully uh, that will happen. Uh, 
in the near future, we shall see. Um, I think uh, given that uh, we, we want to keep our podcast to about 30 minutes, uh, although we, we could probably continue this conversation for, for a long time, uh, we should probably uh, wrap it up. Um, so I want to thank you both for uh, joining me on this uh, inaugural podcast of the uh, Society for Investigative Dermatology. Uh, I, I thank everyone for listening. It's uh, now time to sign off. Thank you again and uh, look forward to meeting you guys in person. Thank Bye. you so much. This was an honor and pleasure and um, really glad to have been part of this episode and, and can't wait to see you both again. Yeah, likewise. likewise. Thanks so much. Likewise. Thanks, guys.